Do you like trains, Cram? No, not, I'm not particularly. I ride one every day. Okay. Well, do you like boobies? <laughs> sure, yeah. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Cram, do you or do you not like club rooms? Answer um, the question, Cram. You just heard the song Mukai Kaze ni Uta Dengara from the anime Rail Wars by the artist Minori Chihara. Wow, that was a mouthful. That's a pretty tough one right there. Yeah. I'm Chiaki, and I'm glad to be back this week. I'm joined by the men. Yeah, my name is Mitsugi. It's good to be here. And I'm Cram from Japan. Cram in Japan. Cram in that Japan into our podcast. You know what? I think it's really good that you're back, Chiagi, because last week was a total sausage fest, and we needed to have some femininity in the in the episode. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. It seems it it gives me severe warm fuzzies how how much everyone seems to have missed me. Yeah, so. there, there was a lot of speculation as to what you were doing. Mm, was there? Yes, there was. Do you care to share anything, or is it a secret? The Moe Archangel has duties. That that I must attend to. Duty. Duty. You, you think you're too you think you're too good for us, don't you? Is that what it is? I know I am. For you guys, you not what, for the lovely listeners. You know what? If you keep up that attitude, then you will have no friends. You know where I can always find friends? Where? AAAPodcast.com. Oh really? Yeah, you can find us on there, our forums and everything like that. iTunes, you can also find us there. Facebook Ustream, where we broadcast live Saturday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And thank you all of you who are joining us right now in the live chat. A very nice audience. We want to let everyone know that this episode is supported by Audible.com. You can go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash AAA podcast and get a free audiobook. You can even find books on anime at audiblepodcast.com forward slash AAA podcast. And also, as people that, that are watching live can see, we have a brand new studio. Yes, we do have a new live studio. Yeah, we uh, all of the figures that were accumulated in Japan, 
along with a couple anime cells that I have hanging up and our old poster, our old podcast banner from when we were doing the podcast years and years ago and, you know, just, you know, a nice permanent setup in Mitsugi's apartment. So now yeah. we don't have, I don't have to lug the podcast equipment around and set it up and then tear it down. Oh my God, that's so exciting. Yeah. Not having to set up and tear down. So, uh, hey, Cram, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. I'm, I'm watching as my cat walks around this, this desk that I'm using. Which cat? Oh. May. Oh. The evil one possessed oh. by the demons that live in this house. Oh, that one. How, how's Japan yeah. treating you? Anything new going on? Uh, no, not really. It's it's really humid and terrible, and houses are not properly insulated, so uh, you can't really have a nice air conditioning unit that keeps your whole house cool. So you have to kind of huddle up in one room and and gather around the uh, the ye old uh, air conditioner to <laughs> keep from sweating I all of your fluids out. Yeah, it's not don't, a whole lot of fun. Don't miss that. Not uh, even a little. On that note, someone <laughs> in the Baka is dumb in the chat asked how my new apartment compares to my place in Japan. My my new apartment now is about one-third the size of my prior place in Japan. I just got a one-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment. But it's probably more comfortable than the place yeah. in Japan. I mean, it's it's completely air-conditioned. Uh, air I'm on the second floor. It's, uh, you know. When I was in Japan, I was sitting there going, you know, I don't miss dishwashers. and I, I mean, I miss central air and heat. But, like, I don't miss dishwashers. I don't miss dryers. Now that I'm back in the States, I'm like, <laughs> Awesome. Dishwashers and dryers. Cool. <laughs> Do using that. And uh, everybody, please excuse me while I open up my Red Bull. Ah, there it is. And today I'm drinking my Red Bull out of a Red Ribbon Army Dragon Ball Z whiskey glass. It has Ooh. literally, do it has Dr. Giro, Android 19, 18, 17, and 16 on the outside of the glass. You know, for being you a are... pro producer, you're really off tangents tonight, Mitsuki. Hey, you know what? New studio... New fun. I feel like I should get a drink, too. And Chris in the new studio. You should get a drink, too, Cram, on the news break. We'll both get drinks. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> evil Moe Archangels get nothing. And you're going to like it. I'm not evil. That's we, my twin. She's gone. We have a five-star review. It's very short. Who would like to read the five-star review? I can read it. Go for it. So this five-star review is submitted by Shakespeare, and Shakespeare writes, It's a conversation-slash-review podcast about anime with likable-slash-knowledgeable people. P.S. All the hosts are very attractive, even the male hosts. Wow. Wow. How are you, how are you doing, Shakespeare? What's you, going on? You What's think, up? You think I'm pretty? You, you, you doing something tonight? Oh. Hey, you want to come over? I, uh, well, uh, I'll bust out my Red Ribbon Army uh, whiskey tumblers and we'll get crazy. <laughs> All right. We have new forum members. Welcome to the forum. Sir Screddy, Master J, Beer, be Beaded, Beaded, Ghost Racer, Nomzy Womzy Lomzy, Shakugan no Sean, Peter in Japan, My Shy Face. Very nice. You, you you somehow manage that every week, and uh, <laughs> it's always an adventure when Chiaki's reading. I, I'm going with Nomsy Womsy Lomsy. I think that's pretty nice. Oh, my God. I wanted that one. I think it's a Doctor Who reference. That's too bad. You picked a I'm Doctor gonna, Who reference. I don't I'm going to go with Peter in Japan, because assuming uh, he's not lying, he's uh, he's here with me somewhere. Somewhere. And, and maybe <laughs> he just felt that earthquake Someplace. we had. You know what, Cram? We're all with you in yeah. our own ways. Yeah, did you feel that earthquake? Yeah, just, I didn't think so. Just now? 
There was uh, before the show started. Was it a big earthquake or just a little shaky, shaky earthquake? It was like a four magnitude. I felt it here. Oh. It was like a, maybe a two and a half or three here, something like that. Still a little shaky. I'll I'll go with my shy face because I think I know what a shy face looks like. Anyway, welcome to the forum. Hope hope we uh, have good conversations with you people in the future. Yes. So uh, we have trivia. Trivia. Go ahead, Chiaki. The theme is still name the anime based on the food. So you don't have to name the food, but name the anime that depicts the food. And this one was five centimeters per second. Isn't this like the sixth time you've picked five centimeters per second as a trivia answer? So? Henceforth, we will never pick Biosoku five centimeter again for trivia. Oh, <laughs> oh, should we should we start a trivia pantheon that, you know, after we use something <laughs> so much, then that show just goes into a sacred place where it can never be used again? Yes, we should do you that. You know, clearly, though, by the fact that not, like, a million people got the trivia right, I I think it's still fair game. It was a picture of a pile of french fries. It's a hard, it's a hard <laughs> trivia question. It was a Shinkai pile of french fries. I think it's somewhat freakish that... that They're the most beautiful, nostalgic french fries you've ever seen. <laughs> It's freakish that ten I'm people so got it right. Nostalgic for these French fries. Okay, who? Right now. All right, you got. You guys are crazy. Who? Who got this right? <laughs> all right, those who got it correct: Icy Rose, Takiora seventy seven, Shake a Spear, Opai for Senpai, One Half Ranma, She, Shika, Shika Kage, Anime Lover MD, Shakugan no Shan, Astrophysics and the Count. I almost got it. Almost. And the winner was. Icy Rose, I like him. Oh, Icy Rose is watching live, so congratulations. You're the winner for the week. Yay. Yeah. Um, okay, so. You have special hands. Did you see that, Icy Rose? I, Chuck, I made hands signals. Chucky's doing, like, like, like magic fingers and stuff. <laughs> Jazz hands. Jazz hands, yeah. It's time for an almighty anime mailbag. Anime. 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 Mailbag. Bag. I like that. It's it's jazzy. If you want to submit a mailbag, you can go to our main page, www.aaapodcast.com, and hit the tab called Say Hello to Chiaki Tonight. I mean mailbag. Wow. Hit the tab called mailbag. Are you, uh, you're no longer the Moe Archangel. For this episode, you're a succubus from hell. Oh, my. I'm a Moe succubus? I haven't read anything yet, so I think I'll read this one. Go for it. So Joe G writes, Hello, AAA. I always enjoy your show. Thank you much for introducing the Seki Zenkon, a.k.a. Spirited Away Bathhouse. I had no idea that it's within the reach of JR Rail Pass, and the lodging is a mere $60, so I will definitely visit it this year. Visiting uh, Seichi, location used for anime shows, is such an interesting experience. I am planning to visit Takayama, which was used for Hyoka and Higurashi, and Kamakura Enoshima, which was used for Elephant Lead and Tari Tari this year. Do you recommend any other locations? I use japanguide.com, but of course they never introduced uh, they never introduced Seichi, so thank you very much. One one Seichi place that's like number one on my list that will have to be a special trip, but I think it's down on Kyushu. Or maybe even a small island. I think it's a small island even south of Kyushu. It's this really big forest. And it's I've seen pictures of it with giant trees and wild and, and untamed. And it's the forest that Miyazaki traveled to that he used as part of his inspiration for the Princess Mononoke forest. And the photos that I've just seen of it are absolutely ridiculous. The suicide forest? No, that's that's by Fuji. Oh. But 
anyways but i really want to go there one because it is a seichi but two because i just the photos look amazing so that would be one but like i said it would have to be a trip because i think it's all the way down to kyushu shinkansen or is it ferry i think there's a train running between the mainland and kyushu and then all the way to the south of Kyushu, that's and then crazy. a small ferry to a, to another island. Chuck, you're nuts. That's really far from anything. I it mean, is. I mean, to to go down there, you're asking a person to spend like four days. But uh, wouldn't you want to just fall off the grid for a while? Haven't you ever mm, wanted to do that? No, not really. All right. Maybe. Well, you know, climbing Fuji was kind of like that. It was. Even though somehow I had cell reception all the way on the top of Fuji. The cell reception was awesome. Unbelievably crazy. So, uh, do you have any suggestions for this, Cram? Uh, are we only talking about bathhouses? I don't think so. I just no, talked about a forest. I think we're talking about any 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 site in Japan that was modeled after something from anime. Um, one or that you're versa. probably not going to find on like Japan Guide or anything like that. That that I think is kind of cool is uh, the restaurant from the anime and manga Nana. It's called Jackson Hole, uh-huh. and oh, it actually yeah. it actually exists. And the guy that runs it in the show is modeled after the guy that actually runs it. So if you go there, you can see the real life version of the dude that runs that place, and it's it's pretty cool. I can't believe I can't believe I never went there with you, Cram. We both love that show. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a cool little place. Uh, where is it? It's in Chofu. It's it's I guess that that's in the southern part of Tokyo. That's it. I'm gonna fly back to Japan and we're gonna go there. <laughs> I recommend, of course, I recommend Tokyo Tower and Skytree. They're in oh, hundreds of anime already. Yeah. And I recommend Koshien Stadium. Oh yeah, a that's famous, a good one. Famous stadium down in the Kansai region, which is you know the dream of every anime high school characters. Uh, baseball ambition you know i want to go play in, in the koshian na- national tournament so yeah. uh, you can actually pretty easily get tickets to baseball games and things like that in that stadium it's not hard and they're not they're not very expensive that is a pretty good experience i've done that i recommend that people go to koshian and check that out for sure so and of course there's uh, you know dozens and dozens of places around tokyo and um you know bathhouses and all kinds of other stuff that you can go visit but yeah. All right. Next mailbag. Next mailbag. So, Cram read the last one. Do you want to read the next one, Mitsugi? I read the last one actually. Oh, I you did. did? Yeah. Okay. Reverse <laughs> that. Cram, do you want to read this one? I pay attention. Sure, I can read it. Uh, Arthur writes, "Hey, AAA podcast. My fiance and I have been listening to your podcasts for the last few weeks and have truly created an addiction for us. So, thank you for that. Now to my main question." My fiance and I are thinking about going to Japan for our honeymoon. Aww. However, we are black and we hear a lot about how there is a lot of hate towards black people. We hear mixed stories, but truly don't know what is real or just rumor. Could you tell us what is the Japanese perspective of race in Japan? Thanks in advance and keep up the great work. Why don't you lead on this one, Cram? You've been there the longest. Um, sure. I- I would say that um, black people aren't discriminated against any more than any other non-Japanese, especially uh, non-Asian non-Japanese. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're if you're black, Caucasian, or you know from the Middle East, um, they discriminate. The country tends to discriminate against you in a similar way, but it's not really um, that bad. I don't think. Like in my experience, I mean, I'm I'm kind of happy that I have escaped, you know, the privilege of, of living in the United States as, you know, a, 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 um, an, a white male, you know, 
Um, so coming here has given me perspective and I, I really kind of appreciate that perspective and I feel like it's given me, you know, a good, a good grasp of, of what it's like for some people in some places in the world that um, aren't as open-minded. Um, but I think that overall my, my experience here is that I don't feel that I'm discriminated against too much. I've got a couple of experiences where I've gone into a restaurant and they would, they refused me service because I'm not Japanese, but that is a, a super, super rare case. Um, yeah, you're going to get stares, but I don't know that it's, you know, people uh, judging you for being a foreigner or if it's just because you're different and, you know, they're not used to seeing foreigners because the country is, you know, 90, 98%, 99% native Japanese. I, I think the Japanese people understand other, under other Asian races pretty well. But my honest kind of half-joking opinion is that if you're not an Asian foreigner, like if you're from Europe or if you're black or if you're from America or whatever, you might as well be an alien, like from, like from outer space if you're in Japan. People are just so curious. They, they stare at you. They, they, they wonder what you're doing in Japan. They've never seen someone like you before. And honestly, just like any, any race of people on Earth, Japanese people can be a little racist, but everyone's a little bit racist, such as... Yeah, I mean, yeah, as, everywhere you go. That's a, true. According to Avenue Q. And... But, wow, you just you just cited a musical. Good but job. I think that it's mostly the older people that tend to be more racist, and but they would never be outwardly racist. Yeah, J- Japan is about as passive aggressive of a country as you go, as you're ever gonna find. And I think that if anybody was hating against you for being black or whatever, they would probably not ever tell you. You'd think, never know it. I think the other thing to generally consider too is that for the most part, in my experience and the experience that I've had with others. If you're a foreigner traveling in the country, there's, since you're not living there, it's kind of like they get that, quote unquote. And I think that they just kind of, there's even less of a, any kind of pressure or any kind of racism or any kind of, any kind of the awkward situations that can evolve because they they kind of have that in the back of their mind where they're just like, it's okay if this person doesn't really fit in because I only have to deal with them for the next 20 minutes, you know, that kind of thing. The, the bottom line, in my opinion, is that I, I don't think race is a barrier to visiting Japan. That's It's not something keeping you from visiting the country. So No, I don't think so either. You, I don't think you have anything to be worried about. Faiz Danielle in the chat is asking about Malaysians. I don't... I haven't I don't heard think either a, way. There's no issue, I don't think. I mean, I know Japan is pretty racist toward Koreans and Chinese, but I've never really heard much yeah, either way about it. It's Malaysians. probably fine. Anyway, so moving on from that. So probably starting next week, you'll start to hear commercials from our new official podcast sponsor, which is JList.com. And JList.com is a, is a merchandise website that also has an, a, a, an, a safe a safe for work version of their site called JBox.com. Mm-hmm. And they sell like Japanese snacks and anime figures, Japanese and anime toys, t-shirts. Hentai goods. And tons of hentai goods. And because we're being sponsored by JList in the future, we're probably going to have a lot more giveaways on the podcast. And um, so I think, that, I think that that's good for everybody. And... I'm looking forward to partnering partnering with with JList going forward. I think we've been using JList for five years for our trivia prizes, yeah. so it only makes sense, I, I, in my opinion. I think there's going to be a lot of good things that are going to come from this, and and I hope everyone who listens agrees and feels like you get something out of it. And of course, you know, if you go to JList.com through one of the banners on our site, more kudos to everybody. 
Yeah, one of the cool things that, and we'll talk about this later, that J-List does have is they have a snack subscription. Yeah. So for a flat fee every month, they will mail you a like an Easter basket style random selection of Japanese snacks that are seasonal. So like every month in the mail, you'll get some crazy package full of all kinds of Japanese candies and cookies and things like that. It sounds pretty cool to me. I've, I've never signed up for that, but maybe people that are super curious about the types of foods you can buy in Japan might be interested in something like that. So anyway, so we're looking forward to that. So, uh, Chucky, what do we got going on the rest of this episode? All right. Well, we are going to take a quick news break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about anime with unconventional art styles. Then we're going to have another news break and we're going to have impressions on anime from the new season. We're going to do Rail Wars, Free Eternal Summer, Shirogane no Ishi Argavelion. Did I say that right? Anyways. Yeah, do your Close best. Enough. And yeah. last slip. While we're gone for the poll, here's your here's your question. What do you think of our new live studio? It's amazing. It's good, but the one you had in Japan was better. Total ambivalence, or it's bad. How disappointing. Let us know what you think, and we'll be back soon. Hey all you anime addicts, this is Chiaki, and this is your anime news break. First up, if you enjoyed the blockbuster film Edge of Tomorrow based on the Japanese light novel All You Need Is Kill, Deadline website has recently reported that the screenwriter for Edge of Tomorrow, Dante Harper, is in process of working with Warner Brothers, Appenway, Mad Chance, and director Jaime Colesera, forgive me if I pronounce that name wrong, on the forever rumored live action Akira project. Now there's no more news other than that, but if you enjoyed Edge of Tomorrow, the same hand that had the screenplay for that is now working on the Akira project. In other news, for those of you who are attending the Otakon convention from August 8th to 10th in Baltimore, America, there's been a recent musical guest announcement the leader of the rock band X Japan will be attending the convention to hold a concert as part of his Yoshiki Classical World Tour. Now, he has said that something special will be added just for Otakon. If you're wondering what the 48-year-old leader of X Japan has been up to, he's most recently contributed the theme song for Hero, Yoshiki Classical version for the Saint Seiya Legend of Sanctuary CG film. In other news, for those of you who are fans of the iconic anime Captain Harlock, well, the September issue of Akita Shoten's Champion Red magazine has an announcement from Reiji Matsumoto of Space Battleship Yamato Star Blazers Galaxy Express 999 that might make you happy. In the next issue, he will be launching Captain Harlock Jigen Kokai, or Captain Harlock Dimensional Voyage. The next issue comes out on August 19th. Koichi Shimahoshi will be illustrating the series. The first 50-page chapter will include color pages. Finally, for those of you who are in love with the cycling anime Yomushi Pedal, well, Toho Cinemas has put something on their website that's giving fans cause to celebrate. 
Now, there are no further details other than a listing posted on the cinema website with a film titled Yoamushi Petal. The film will open September 19th. As I said, there are no further details currently, but we can assume that a film is probably in the works. This was Shiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. In between work, school, social obligations, and watching as much anime as you can, it can be hard enough to find a minute to enjoy your favorite podcast, nevertheless read. But who hasn't said, I want to read more? Well, we can't give you more hours to your day, but thanks to Audible.com for supporting our podcast, we can give you a free audiobook. It's simple. Just go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash AAA podcast and pick from their selection of more than 150,000 audiobooks of all types, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. You could use this opportunity to download a book on Hayao Miyazaki, Japan's premier anime storyteller, a book that's part of the Legends of Animation series. If you want to read about Miyazaki for free, or anything else on audible.com, make sure you use the link audiblepodcast.com forward slash AAA podcast. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E podcast.com forward slash AAA podcast. If you don't use audiblepodcast.com forward slash AAA podcast, you won't get your free audiobook. Check it out and make your anime addiction worse with the power of books. And we're back to the 236th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Chucky, you made a drink. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a Dirty Shirley. A Dirty Shirley. It's one of my favorites, actually. And I didn't make it in Japan ever because I couldn't find grenadine. But you know where I can find grenadine? Publix. Orica. What is what? Is, what is a Dirty Shirley? Dirty Shirley is, well, the way I make it is about half vodka. Uh, 40 per- 50% vodka, 40% Sprite, and 10% grenadine. Roko would be so proud of you. Oh, that's what I want. I want to make Roko proud. Does Speaking he drink sweet cocktails? No, he doesn't. Oh, okay. I think it's just the drinking in general. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. Well, speaking of making people proud... Did we make the listeners proud with our new studio, Mitsugi? What were the results of that poll? Good call. I totally would have forgotten. So That's why I'm leading the episode. 50% of the vote said, it's amazing to the to our new podcast studio, and 24% said it's good, but the one you had in Japan was better. I disagree. I disagree also, but <laughs> 0% said it's bad, so that's good. Oh, well, that's, that's good. good. I appreciate that. So we have a good topic. All right, we do have a good topic. This topic is kind of in line, I think, with stuff that I love, and it's anime with unconventional art styles. And this was requested by someone. Do you remember who requested this? Uh, it was anonymously suggested. So. Oh, that's right. We do have some anonymous suggestions coming in from our site right now, don't we? We do. We do, among other things. In any case, so anime with unconventional art styles. How do you guys define an unconventional art style? What what makes, if you're watching anime and you go, wow, this isn't conventional, what, what makes you say that? Well, for me, it would, you would have to, you have to define what the convention is. So like it, it, in the conversation about anime, it's got to be 
for me, I guess an unconventional art style is something that I look at and I'm like, man, I don't see that in every other show. I don't this, and especially if it's a show that doesn't look like quote unquote anime. And there are shows, there are certainly shows that if you, you know, look at them just at face value, you wouldn't know necessarily that they were made in Japan. Um, I, I think ping pong is a good example of that. Despite the fact that it's set in Japan, I think animation style wise, uh, you see the design of the show and it doesn't necessarily look like it was, it doesn't look like anime, quote unquote. But then, you know, you watch a show like uh, Glass Lip because it's on my mind and it looks like anime, you know, big eyes, small mouth. I think expanding on that definition, and I agree with everything you said, but just to compound upon it, I think it's also not just things that you look at and you wouldn't necessarily immediately think, oh, this was made in Japan and this is anime, but also things that maybe you know it's anime, but it takes a different approach. It's kind of like an analogy I could use is like the gourmet burger movement, where... The heck is a gourmet burger? And so when you go to a fancy restaurant and you get a hamburger and they've done something to make it gourmet, like they stuffed it with cheese and wrapped it in bacon and put it on a sourdough bun and had fancy cheese and stuff on top and grilled onions, rather than just, it's still a hamburger, but they made it gourmet. They made it fancy. They made it new and different. I'll take a good old burger from a diner any day. (laughs) Thank you. But my point is that unconventional art styles can also be that it can be a complete reinvention of what we think of as anime or it can still be something that we look at and maybe we realize this is anime but at the same time we look at it and we also think this is something different this is anime but not the anime that i'm used to so you so you you've you've developed quite a list of different types of styles that sort of fall outside of the norm for yeah. anime, and this first category is one that I know that, that Cram doesn't like very much. We've talked about this in, in, the, in the past. Yes, that's, that's yes. Te- textured fills. So what is, it, what is a textured fill, Chiaki? Can you explain this? A textured fill is rather than using flat colors or shaded colors or whatever to fill an area, say a skirt or a dress on a person, the artists employ textures that may or may not move to fill the space. So think of a texture flat on a bottom layer, and then you have a window that's the character's skirt or something. And as the character moves across the screen, the skirt moves over the texture. So the texture kind of has that that illusion of movement through the character. And sometimes, I think you said you watched something recently, Cram, where, where they did the texture, but they didn't have that movement going on or, or something. Or it was uh, what was it? I can't remember what it was. But yes, there, were, there was something. The, the thing that really bothers me is when they just lay the texture as like a filter over the entire screen or like maybe uh. over the entire background. So like the background moves, but the texture doesn't. So right. it creates this weird kind of effect. Uh, but I mean, I, I don't have a problem, you know, fundamentally with with textured fills as long as they move naturally like within the animation. I think the anime that's a perfect example of this for someone who wants to find this art style is Gankutsu of the Count of Monte Cristo. And this anime takes this style to the extreme. Everything yeah. is filled with patterns that seem to it's move intense. by being stationary as the characters shift over top them. I I showed this anime at at my anime club, god, maybe it's been so long, 5 years ago or 6 years ago. And the people in the club just couldn't handle it. It was just too much. I mean, there there are shows with textured fills, and then there are shows that are intense. Like the colors in the show are such that you have to wear sunglasses when you watch the anime. It's it's a it's. I haven't seen all of it. I know it's supposed to be a good show, but 
It's and really out there. And that's something to bring up right here at the start of this topic. We're not passing judgment, I, I don't think, on any no. of these animation styles. No, of course not. Of course, every animation style is not going to be for everyone. But it's like, I mean, it's art. It's like Picasso. Some people like Picasso and some people are, eh, my three-year-olds could do better. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, you know, you've heard people say stuff like that, especially like Jackson Pollock. Anyways, next one. The next one I think is one that you boys are familiar with because I know we went and saw a movie that illustrates this style. I know we did as a, as a group. We saw it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, speaking of Ghibli movies, Cram, I'm going to be really jealous this summer when you're watching the new Ghibli movie, The Memory of Marnie, in the theater, and I have to wait until. It's funny know. that you should mention that. I'm going to see it today. <gasps> oh. <laughs> That's right. Well then, well, then I'm going to expect a full report on it next week. All right. So. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. I'm completely thrown off from this topic with just wants. Will you be, yeah. will you be bringing your wife with you, Cram? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Aww. Date. Go on a date. Yes. What do, you re- do you have any? Open the car door for her, Cram. It'll go a long <laughs> way. I will, and then I'll slam her fingers in it. <laughs> oh, oh that's not right. <laughs> accidentally, accidentally. I'm a klutz. That's why I don't do those things. Right. Do we, Excuses. Do you have any preset um, expectations for them for the new film? Uh, yes, I believe it's going to make me cry because the trailer basically did as much. I know. The theme song in the trailer, too, just made me like, oh, God. <laughs> Fine on the outside. Oh. The title alone. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's that's like, enough. I'm used to being alone. I'm used to pretending I'm okay. And I'm just like, oh, God, who hasn't been there? <laughs> oh, feelings. They just. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm super excited for it. So I ran a poll in the chat. I said, you open the menu. What do you order? And I gave the options of standard burger or fancy gourmet burger. And I, I am sad to say that the, the fancy gourmet burger has beaten out the gourmet burger by three by 6%. Come on, a patty stuffed with cheese wrapped in bacon? That doesn't sound good sounds to you? Sounds too much. Too much. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Right? Anyways, which one of you wants to describe our next art, art style? Well, uh, wa- go, go ahead, Cram. Why don't okay, you sorry. So the, so the next one is, uh, is watercolor or brush painting. So uh, over more traditional hard inked lines that we tend to see with like, you know, traditional cell animation or digital animation uh, with kind of these solid colors, uh, this approach is often uh, more restrained, uh, handcrafted, uh, that makes it look more like a watercolor painting that's painted on, on like a, you know, a cold press block, you know, as, as is done, or a traditional sumie brush painting from, you know, Japanese uh, traditional uh, art styles. Um, examples of this, uh, we mentioned Ghibli, The Tale of Princess Kaguya, which came out last year. Uh, is a good example of this really, uh, really beautiful kind of uh, perfect even uh, example of of this brush painting of this brush style. Uh, so much so that uh, we've even said this before. I I felt watching the movie that you could freeze frame any frame in the movie, like literally any frame, and be proud to hang it on your wall because that movie it's was just that artwork. Beautiful. Yeah, it, it's, it it's was unbelievable. just artwork. So um, another one that yeah, came to mind yeah, thinking of this was also you know. Kaguya was done by 
Oh my god. Isao Takahata. Thank you. I don't know why I just blanked on Takahata's name. Yeah, I don't know why either. He's only <laughs> one of the most prolific directors in the history of anime. I have no excuse. Just stone me. Take me out back and stone me. Anyways. Maybe I'll do that. Takahata. I'll beat the evil moe out of you. Impossible. Takahata also directed another one that made my list. My Neighbors the Yamadas. And My Neighbors the Yamadas is less of a brush style and more I would call a watercolor style. Yeah. It has that feeling of really soft pastels, really muted colors and backgrounds that just kind of either fade in from nothing or fade out to nothing. Very minimal. Yeah, I think that the the art style that they use in My Neighbor the Amadas is obviously intentionally made made the way that it is. I think that it turns off some people because they view it as being poorly drawn. But I think that one of the great things about My Neighbor the Amadas is the contrast that you get between the sort of minimalistic st- styles of art, which I think maybe is supposed to represent something there, maybe with his I'm view, sure it his is. view on what like a on what like a family's ideal life would be, very down to earth and you know minimalistic. Maybe mm. when you contrast the art, the art in most of the scenes with with the fully animated, fully drawn out portions, like where the grandmother's giving the speech in the beginning of the uh, of the of the movie, and you have the you have the bobsled going up around the the outside edge of the wedding cake. I the, would say those first cons- five to ten minutes are some of the most amazing. Five to ten minutes in all of anime. I think so. I, th- I, I, I would, I would say so. And I think that the contrast between those scenes and the minimalized scenes makes the fully drawn out stuff just look even more beautiful. But that's one of my favorite movies. I people don't give it a try, but you really should. My, my, my neighbor the Amadas is great. Uh, someone in the chat, Shizuo, in the chat says that Ao Haru Ride, a Blue Spring ride from the season, uses watercolors for its backgrounds, and that's actually a more common practice, and mm-hmm. which I, I definitely agree with. Uh, Sailor Moon Crystal also does that. Um, yep. Yeah, there it does. Are, there are several shows every season that use watercolors for backgrounds, but then use you know cell animation for for the character animation. And speaking of that type of thing, recent ones, Hozuki no Retetsu, the back, a lot of the backgrounds of hell and heaven and stuff for that were also yeah in a similar Sumie style and Although, things of that nature. I, I will say that using backgrounds as watercolor is almost not outside of the convention at this point. It maybe it's on the maybe it's on the bubble, but. Yeah, it's gonna. It's close to being, you know, conventional, you know, by now. One that approached this watercolor style all around. That's an anime series is Wandering Sun or Horomusuko, and that was a really good anime. And it has the same kind of muted tones and backgrounds that really seem to fade at the edges. That have a really beautiful watercolor style and feel. And that animation is fabulous all around. Okay, so the next one on the list, I I added rotoscoping. We have had some rotoscoping animes, not not many of them, but we have had a few. Obviously, the the notorious one of the bunch is Aku no Hana, which came out what last year. I think yep. so. Now, rotoscoping is an animation technique in which animators trace over real footage, frame by frame, for use in both live action and animated films. And so you'll so you'll film it first, and then you'll literally draw over the film. Seems so exhausting and probably expensive. You know what other anime comes to mind when we talk about rotoscoping? And no, I have no idea. I'm going to put a really big asterisk right before I say this. Do I look like a mind reader? Yes. <laughs> Ping pong the animation. Yeah. And it, I know it's not rotoscoped. I know it's not, but it has that same feel to me. 
And I mean, come on, we have to mention ping pong in the animation and an unconventional art topic. Yeah, it's I mean, the it's then it's the same guy that did Tech on Kingcrete and he's got, you know, his own his own style that doesn't look like anime. It's it's certainly unconventional. Yeah. But w- I, I just remember the number of conversations I had with you, Cram, when Ping Pong was coming out going, it's not ro- rotoscoped? Really? No. You're yeah. sure? <laughs> You're sure it's not rotoscoped? It, it is not. Because <laughs> <laughs> it just looks like that. The thing about rotoscoping to me, I, I personally really like the rotoscoped look. Uh, I like how Akunohana looks, but it's something that uh, in Japan it's not used too much. It's it's not that it's common really anywhere, but it is more common in the United States in animation, uh, especially with with you know certain filmmakers and and animators. Uh, there was an animator by the name of Ralph Bakshi who is is kind of famous for pioneering rotoscoping uh, in animation. He did the Lord of the Rings animated film from back in like the seventies, and um, also a filmmaker by the name of of uh, Richard Linklater who did two films uh, in the rotoscope style: Waking Life and uh, Scanner Darkly. So you can see like the different ways it can work. And I, I feel like a scanner darkly is a good example of, of rotoscoping. That's very, very detail oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Akunohana from what I've seen of it, uh, is also, you know, uh, obviously rotoscoped, but it's, it's not so detail oriented and there are different ways that you can approach this, um, you know, this art style, but I, I do like how it looks. It's very surreal, which is kind of the point. Well, one of the things that rotoscoping does is it it fringes on the next style of animation that I kind of pegged, and that's photorealism. And this I pegged as an anime or whatnot that looks exceptionally close to real life, no matter what style it's done in. If it's watercolor or painted or brush or whatever, it looks a lot like real life. And especially done in backgrounds. I think as we already mentioned, a lot of times you'll see the Mm -hmm. background has its own style and the characters may be done in more of a traditional kind of set atop, but the backgrounds have a style. And a lot of these, when you're giving comparison pictures, it may be difficult to tell which is real and which is anime. Yeah, I think that Shinkai has started to use this in some of his movies. I think maybe he's transitioning into something new, perhaps. We'll have to see when he can in his further films, but well, his most recent one, Garden of Words, I think is an excellent example because it takes place in one hundred percent real places. It takes places in a garden in Shinjuku, I think it is in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's another place that 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 um who who was it that asked that trivia question? It was um Arthur? Oh yeah, there's oh, sorry, it wasn't Arthur. Yeah. It was George Joji. Well, there's another place place in Japan that, that you can visit. And I've been to that garden. It's very nice. But if you Google, if you just take three seconds right now, if you're in front of a computer and you Google Garden of Words Comparison, those four words, Garden of Words Comparison. I'm doing it right now. You will find exactly what we mean by this style. If, just looking at the photos of real life to Shinkai's work, there's almost that moment where you're looking at it and you're going, which one's the photo? Because... That's how close some of them get. But Shinkai's oftentimes has this super hyper-realistic element where it's super glowy and, of course, almost like his own style with the lens flares. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the comparisons right here. You're right. If you type, if you Google Garden of Words comparison, you will get all kinds of, of clips laid, laid on top of each other, and it really does look straight up like the real thing. Yeah. 
So. It's, it's really well done. Another one that, that has a similar style in the background and is also afflicted by Shinkai's love of lens flare is Beyond the Boundary or Kyokai no Kanata. And this one has kind of more normal set animated characters. This animation is, is gorgeous all around, but it has really hyper-realistic backgrounds in a lot of a lot of places. This is one art style that I have to say I really enjoy. I think it's fun looking at at something and really feeling like like wow that's that's amazing to me i'm sorry were you talking i'm still mem- <laughs> i'm mesmerized by, by these comparison photos it's amazing <laughs> to see them right like there have been a number of times that i've looked at them and went the only way i can tell which is which is by like clouds or something yeah the level of freakish it, the level of uh detail done on the anime is freakish i mean <laughs> It's crazy. There'll be like bricks missing out of buildings, and he'll straight up have that detail in the in the anime. Oh yeah. So you know, the more and more the more and more detailed his films get, the shorter they get. I think there's a reason for that. <laughs> you know, with that man though, he's probably so obsessive he can't even handle himself anymore. The next the next one is going to be totally indistinguishable from like actual live action film, and it's going to be two minutes long. <laughs> Cram, how do you feel about foot fetishes? How do I feel about foot fetishes? <laughs> yeah, how do you feel about that? Oh, I guess, I guess it's relevant to Garden of Words. <laughs> I just want to um, take off your shoes, Cram, and measure your feet sexually. That, that, that scene was was somehow sexually charged, wasn't it? It, it was. really was. It he, was. He had a thing for shoes. So, so how do you feel about that, Cram? You didn't answer my question. You know, if it's good for Tarantino, it's good for me, I guess. You know who, you know who I bet would love Garden of Words? The, the the New York Jets football coach. Yes, I was just oh about God. to say that. He, yes. does, he does like his feet. Hey, what you doing? Lawsuit pending. You have some pretty feet. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> My goodness. So where where are we in this crazy outline, Chucky? You're okay. Dri- you're driving this car. I'm driving. Well, I'm driving this car somewhere you don't want to go. All right. Line thickness. This is another one that I love because in my personal art style, if you'll give me so much credit, I love to play with line thickness. And this is exactly what it sounds like. In the majority of anime, line thickness is generally kept fairly consistent throughout the animation of characters and backgrounds. So let's say you have a pen that you're drawing with and that pen is 0.1 millimeters wide or whatever. All of the lines are then drawn with that pen in single lines. Well, in these anime, the line thickness will vary at different points and maybe for different reasons or whatnot. And the first one that came to mind was Capellion, which I'm sure you remember this one, Cram. What is this? Oh, Capellion. oh, yes, indeed. Yeah, that, I mean that—that's. There's some experimental art going on in that movie that goes just that goes beyond the line thickness issues. Yes. Oh yeah. But yeah. What do you what do you call that green tint that they used over everything? Um, Monochrome, I, I, I call, limited color. I, I call that uh, bullshit. Um, <laughs> bullshit. It's a, okay. it's a technical term. Really. Uh, I call it bullshit. Okay. Where excellent. did this rocket launcher come from? I pulled it out of my pocket. You know, I never leave the home without one. Did Did you know that supersonic aircraft can be shot out of the sky with <laughs> with RPGs? With by like a twelve year old uh, girl. Yeah, I, I just don't think that's no. The things you learn in anime. Did you know that those girls made the biggest sacrifice of all? <laughs> we don't know what it is because <laughs> we don't know the, what it was. Yeah, the show the show wouldn't tell us, but. 
They certainly sacrificed something that made everybody cry. Yeah, your time when, God, by watching it. Exactly. Thank, thank you. Why okay. are we talking about Capellian? Okay. okay, the rage. Okay. Let the rage subside. <laughs> well, done well or not, they make a lot of creative choices when it comes to the line thickness surrounding the characters. Um, oftentimes, the outer lines of the characters are much thicker, almost like a border, than the inner lines of the character. Another anime that you see this kind of variation in line thickness, um, and I'll give it credit that it's an intended variation and not just artistic inconsistency, is Attack on Titan. And this is slightly different from Capellion, but more than your average line thickness. The lines will vary. If you look at characters from Attack on Titan, if you look at random screen caps, Perhaps the folds of a character's shirt will have a heavier line as the fold is deeper, which then tapers to a thin line. Or maybe the lines on the shadow side of the character are thicker than the lines on the highlight side of the character. I I don't really care for the thick lines. I gotta say, I there, there there's some some of this some of this sort of you know deviation from the norm art style I can handle, but the thick lines I don't like. Uh, I I tend to like it. I think it makes things stand out and look bold. Uh, I don't I don't like line art inconsistency unless there is some sort of emotional or thematic uh, grounding for it. Um, which actually bringing back uh, uh, Kaguya Hime, the, yeah. the the story of the tale of Kaguya Hime. I thought you were going to say bringing back Capellion, and I got really excited. No 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 no. Let's never do that. <laughs> Bringing back uh, the tale of, of Princess Kaguya, they do play with line thickness and line animation in in that movie in a way that I think is very interesting, especially when characters get very emotional. The the animation of the lines becomes very jittery and, and changes shape, and it's it kind of adds to the emotionality of the moment. Uh, and I think that that is something that you don't you don't typically see in in uh, in anime, and I think that's you know could be considered unconventional or experimental. Excellent. So the next one is limited animation that I have thought of. And we've touched on this before, that there's a spectrum of animation where total animation is everything moving on the screen, every character's hair moving and the background's moving and everything, where zero or extremely limited animation is where it's almost completely still images. And for me, limited animation has its own place and even its own movement, no pun intended. There was a movement in like the late 80s-ish in the anime community where a lot of people were making kind of these pet projects maybe would be a good word kind of self-funded experimental like more art projects and because of that probably a lot of the limited animation came from budgetary constraints but i do think that there are artistic decisions in it that merit mentioning and the two that came to mind we've talked about it before mamuro oshi's and yoshitaka amano's angel's egg comes to mind for this but a more recent one that also popped into my mind when i was thinking of anime like this was one that you brought up cram and it was midori yes and i would definitely Which, classify it as a limited animation world and i, I think midori actually has uh, other things going for it 
in that it's based on a story that was told as a kamishibai, which is traditionally a uh, it's a traditional form of Japanese storytelling where they take just pictures and they tell a story over these pictures that they have in in this kind of display box. And these stories can go on for hours and hours, but the storyteller will just speak over these images and like pull the page out and there will be a new still image. So when you translate, you know, that kind of story to a different medium like animation, I think for Midori, uh, it kind of works uh, on a maybe philosophical level, like because you're adapting this art form that is based on still images mm -hmm. to a moving art form. So you've kind of got a little bit of both. Uh, but then you've got shows that are absolutely copying that style, like Yami Shibai, which is, you know, it, it is like Kami Shibai, except with Yami like a ghost, which is a like a short series, a three minute episode series that's uh, currently airing right now. I think the second season is airing right now. And it's a, a horror series. It's actually pretty good. Um, certainly one of the better like three minute episode shows. Actually, no, I think they're like eight minutes. Maybe, maybe they're like eight minutes. The big difference between three minutes and eight minutes. Yeah. Um, but they're they're really good, and you know they are absolutely uh, no bones about it copying the style of Kamishibai, which is you know no animation. So and that's and that's why I wanted to bring it up. I think it's really easy to look at something that has very limited animation and automatically think, oh, they didn't have enough money to animate it. But I do think there are times that it can be done with artistic things in mind. Chucky, the count's asking about uh, the. Uh Addicted Hero from the chat is asking about uh, what type is Bakemonogatari? Well, the how, Monogatari how would you season that? series actually goes into my next one, which is oh. flat color. And how I define flat color in my head, it's one of the hardest styles for me to define. And it's one of those things where if I see an anime in this style, I would be like, that's what I'm talking about. But it's really hard to kind of pinpoint. The best way that I can describe what this is to me is it's anime that implement block colors oftentimes with extremely limited to no shading or okay. highlights so no, so no shadows no exactly okay i see and the reason why it gives the show kind of a flatter look and the reason why i think monogatari fits into this is a lot of the shots you see in monogatari you'll just see shadow or you'll see just I'm thinking of a lot of the playground see, see, scenes from the first Monogatari series where they just have these red kind of beams and bars and things like that that are, it's just blocks of color. And I think it's a style that can really, really work for a lot of anime and really create emphasis. Another one that you and I both watched, Cram, was Kyoso Giga. Yeah. And I think this one uses really limited shading with creative uses of blocks of color to make certain things pop when when they want them to. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that there are certain filmmakers who dabble in uh, what what you're calling flat color, uh, like uh, Masaki Yuasa, I think, although he, he tends to change his character designers and every show that he does looks different from his last. I think that he's kind of got a predilection toward uh, flat colors and block colors. Um, the, the art movement that I'm uh, a big fan of uh, it was pioneered by this guy, or the ter the term itself was coined by a guy named uh, Takashi Murakami, mm -hmm. and the art style is called super flat. And he does like these art installations that that have like these big fusuma, like the opaque uh, uh, panels, sliding door panels, and he you know sets them up in his uh, in his exhibitions, and they all are like super super flat colors that have no shading whatsoever, and 
it's really like kind of pop art in the extreme. I was about to say pop art, I think, would be another way that you could describe this. Extremely yeah. limited sh shading and very strong blocks of color. Yeah, so I, I like that art movement. I like I like uh, Murakami's work. And uh, if you're interested in Super Flat, just Google Super Flat and Murakami, and you'll 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 come up with this stuff. He's uh he's he's pretty cool. But I do think that in animation, especially in anime, Masaki Yuasa um, kind of plays with uh, the Super Flat or the flat color um, art style quite a bit. And uh, I like the look of all of his stuff. So you know he's doing something right. Another one that I know you watched, Cram, that I kind of from pictures at least pegged as this at, at, or had elements of this type of style was Gotcha Man Crowds. Yeah. I saw a lot of them, for example, in their hair, rather than having drawn highlights or kind of a gradient ombre that seems to be very trending with hair right now and shading, they had like bands of color in the hair mm -hmm. and it was really creative looking and I really liked it. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't a fan of the kind of, it, it's, it's kind of got a candy coated look to it. Um, I, I wasn't a fan of, of Gachamon crowds and how they implemented the art style um, in, in particular, but I do tend to like that kind of more pop arty type stuff. And I think that, that super flat and flat color uh, is really popular in Western animation, especially in like uh, children's shows and comedy yeah. shows for kids like Adventure Time and, and stuff like that. Um, that's really, really, really popular. It's a an art style that's used basically exclusively at this point, it seems like. Have you ever watched any of the Monogatari series, Cram? I have not. I've only seen like screen caps and stuff. I think you but, might like it. Yeah, uh, I, I've heard as much. I It doesn't scream Cram to me, but I think you would like it. Mm. In any case... The last style that I have on my list is a style that I don't think you like very much, Cram. And okay. love it or hate it, I think this trend is still currently unconvention unconventional, even if it's growing in popularity or frequency. And it's computer-generated. And Ugh. this uses computer-rendered graphics. So not digital painting, but literally computer-rendered graphics, much like a video game, with quality cell shading to give anime a look of traditional animation but not actually being digitally painted or traditionally made did, did cram just let out a cry of pain i did i did and you know i i you're a we hater can talk, we can talk about cg and I'm, I'm i'm not saying i'm not saying that i hate all cg but i think that me being an old man about about cg and anime uh stems from my very, very first revelation about animation and my love of animation and kind of my personal philosophy on, on uh, you know, animated films and, and television series. And that's when I was very young and first started getting into anime. Uh, one of the things that I loved about it, one of the things that I could articulate was that in anime, because it's animated, you can do anything. You know, you can watch a live action film that has a bunch of special effects in it and the special effects may or may not look realistic and may or may not pull you out of this world. But in animation, you build your world from the ground up with one, you know, medium, with one art style, with one set of artistic tools and you can put anything you want in that world and you're never taken out of it. Because ostensibly, you'll use the same tools to do, you know, the really crazy bombastic things that would require a special effects team in live action film to just animate it the same way in animation. And I feel like CG so often 
is the opposite of what you want to do with that. It, it takes you out of the film or the series in the same way bad CG would take you out of a live action film and be like, well, that's not realistic. I'm watching a, a live action movie. I want to, I want the verisimilitude. I want it to be real. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was one of my early revelations about my personal philosophy on, on animation and why I love it so much. So when I see CG, especially when I see bad CG, in in animation uh, that is largely a different style than the CG, it takes me out just like it would in a live action film, and it, it makes me angry. So in I my heart. I have <laughs> to ask, and I know that this might be a discussion for a later time, and I'm treading dangerous waters. But what do you think of the new Sailor Moon transformation sequence? I think it looks like shit. Okay, thank God. <laughs> I didn't want to argue. Okay. I didn't want to argue with you on that one because no, it, it looks terrible. <laughs> okay. But the new Sailor Moon transit, uh, transformation sequence is CG. Other examples are mostly recent. Um, Arpeggio of Blue Steel was entirely done in CG, and Knights of Sidonia is also entirely done in CG. And I think this is a style that's very polarizing for the anime community. There's a lot of CG in the new mech animes from the current season. Both Old Noah Zero and Shirogani no Ishii both have all their mechs done in CG. Mm-hmm. I, I pulled the chat, I asked them how they felt about CG in anime. And 70% of them said, it's okay sometimes. So we had a little bit of ambivalence going on there. I mean, I can forgive it in places, especially if you have, I think Yamato 2199 is a good example where all of the character animation and everything inside the ship and, and for the most part on like planet surfaces and stuff is all traditionally animated. And then everything in space, like all of the ships and the space battles are 100% CG. Like I feel like if you can delineate what, you know, kind of a, a hard line between where this kind of animation is used in one part of the show and where it's used in another part, it's more forgivable to me, but that doesn't forgive a, an episode later in the series. And I know, you guys, I know you guys haven't seen it, but there's a really terrible bug creature on a planet that looks so bad. So, so bad. <laughs> Baka is dumb in the chat. Before we wrap up this topic, topic, Baka is dumb in the chat is asking, what style would I call Redline? I would call Redline a mix of the line thickness and flat color. Yeah, It I kind of so. has that pop arty flair to me. Very much so. Uh, so. I, I did want to mention uh, quickly because, I mean, I have to mention this show in every episode, Madoka. <laughs> yes, Madoka has some fantastic... Madoka, for me, is the perfect example of how you can shift your style and have it work. Right. It's rooted in the narrative. Like, it makes sense that you can buy that this world would look different and it's very off-putting and it, and it should but when they go into the labyrinths to fight the witches uh it's almost like collage style like weird kind of cut out animation with you know elements of of photographs and like looks like magazine cutouts and things it's very very strange and very very off-putting and i love it i think it looks wonderful so our full list of shows and the styles that I made up off the top of my head that might have more appropriate technical names somewhere else will be on the episode posts on our website. Feel free to let us know if you think of other anime with unconventional art style, either on the post, in the comments, on Facebook, or on our forums. There, there, I think, 
And and before we wrap up, I just I do want to mention that I think that a good place if you're interested in unconventional animation within anime, a really good place to look is anthology films. So mm-hmm. yes. movies like uh, Robot Carnival, Genius Party, even bad ones like Batman, Gotham Knight, uh, The Animatrix, Halo Legends, which is also terrible. Uh, Short Piece <laughs> is a recent one. Digital Juice and Genius Party Beyond. All of these showcase different filmmakers trying to do something new and interesting. And you tend to get a, a large swath of, of different styles. And a lot of that stuff tends to be experimental and um, can be really cool. So if you like that kind of stuff, uh, anthology films are the way to go. Um, pre, um, a while ago, someone in the chat was talking about Peter Chung, who is a who is a Korean animator who uses a very a very unique art style that most of us have seen from the the anime that was shown on MTV for a while, Aeon Flux. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, and he's a pretty famous art director. So I just wanted to I just wanted to mention him because you know he's had a long career in anime and he <clears throat> definitely has a unique a unique style to both the way that he, to the to the way that he draws anime and both the designs of the characters and the art direction so All right. Well, good topic, boys. We're going to take a short anime news break and when we come back, we're going to have impressions on Rail Wars, Free Eternal Summer, Shirogane no Ishiki Argavolian. Almost. I I don't think I can say that word. I'll do it later. Okay. And glass slip. And our poll question during the during the news break is appropriately, which anime that we are about to do an impression on most deserves to pass? So which of the anime I just listed, I won't make you make myself read them again, most deserves to pass. So stay tuned. Hello, you anime addicts, this is Chiaki, and this is your anime news break. First up, in a case that's been going on since October of 2012, we're almost at a conclusion for the man who was making death threats over Kuroko no Basuke. This past weekend, the prosecution in the case has requested a prison sentence of four years and six months for Hirofumi Watanabe. Watanabe has previously said that the reason for his death threats was because he felt jealous of all the attention the creator of the manga was getting. He was abused by bullies and parents during childhood, which may make sense when he said in his final statement during the trial that he read a book about masochistic depression and understood his life. Since being arrested, he says he has received words of support from the police, but he wants to end his life and take the words with him into the next life. Either way, it's good to know that there will be a conclusion soon regarding this trial. And happier news for those of you who enjoy dubs, Viz Media has recently released a third Sailor Moon English dub clip, and it features Cindy Robinson as Queen Beryl and Todd Haverquorum as Jadette in the dub clip released. Now, if Sailor Moon isn't quite your thing, Perhaps Dragon Ball Z is. There are two new dub clips of that that have been released. For Dragon Ball Z Battle of the Gods, or in Japanese it was Kami to Kami. Tickets for the North American film screenings are now on sale through the official English website. If you want to get in on those screenings, they start on Thursday, August 5th at about 800 theaters. While you're on YouTube looking at those dub clips, you can also check out a trailer released by the Pokemon Company. It's the second trailer for Poke Pocket Monster XY Hakai no Mayu to Denasil. Maybe I'm pronouncing that wrong. 
or Pokemon the Movie, Denasiel in the Cocoon of Destruction. The video features the film's ending song, Yokai no Ryuseigun, Daybreak Meteor Cluster by the girl band Scandal, who's also worked on Bleach and Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood. Now, the trailer is in Japanese, but you can find a translation on AnimeNewsNetwork.com. In other news, if you enjoy manga, you might enjoy DENA's free manga box, smartphone, and tablet app. They've recently added Semaru's Amagi's Fatal Frame Shadow Priestess, illustrated by Hakus. Amagi also serves as the editor-in-chief of the DNA Manga Box app. If you're a fan of the Fatal Frame franchise, there is a game coming out for the Wii U Fatal Frame The Wet Crow Shrine Maiden that'll be coming out for the Wii U in Japan on September 27th. This was Shiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. Six Tatami Matt Harem by Ataka Spirit. Really? Yes. You're, are you going to give me a, a harem? Not only that, but they're all stuck in the same apartment. Dude! For real? And they have every single archetype. Yes! And they're all I'm there so with happy. one boy. What is the name of this show? Because I'm totally putting it on my it's list. It's a show I'm going to butcher, but are you ready for it? I'm, I'm totally putting it on my list. Rokuchoma no Shin, Shinrai Shuma. So if I go and Shinra, look up this, if I go Shinra, and look, if I go and look up this, Shinra, I'm gonna find this right. Shinria. I'm gonna be very mad if I don't get it. I really want to know what that translates to because invaders of the sixth tatami mat room. <laughs> what a name! That just I, this is taking anime to the next level right there. This is saving anime. <laughs> <laughs> Hear more on otakuspirit.com. And we're back to the last egg eggment. To the last eggment. What? Because eggs. Chucky, what, Chucky, what is what is an eggment? It's an egg. It's when an egg and a mint love each other very much <laughs> nice try <laughs> okay oh tumblr take hi <laughs> take two okay welcome back to the final segment of the 236th episode of the anime addicts anonymous podcast what we are about to give impressions but what do our listeners i can't talk anymore my talking has stopped well out of the out of the over 100 eyeballs, two particular options for the poll have run away with it a little bit. Although the, it's pretty spread out, with 28% of the vote, the chat believes that Glass Lip should win. Should should be the one to pass out of the group. Followed by with 25%, none. Oh. <laughs> no one. Nothing passes. So wow. I'm, tough I'm, crowd. I, I'm just curious. I don't know how much of how much of all the shows shows you guys have seen, but what is does anybody have any general thoughts they want to share about this this summer season before they before before we get into this? Mediocre mediocrity reigns supreme. I I I haven't seen enough stuff yet to have an opinion, but of what I've seen, eh, you know, it's eh. all right. <laughs> exactly. Well, I listen to maybe three other anime podcasts, and everyone pretty much thinks this season's bad. 
pretty much. I think it's bad. I just think it's there's like three. I mean, as, as far as like I don't know, but like we've got we've got two Watanabe shows airing right now. Um, JoJo is still going on. I mean, I think there's a lot. Yeah, of but I don't count. Stuff. I honestly don't really count JoJo and the what then Space Dandy because they're they're not really from the summer season. I kind of agree with Mitsugi on this. I don't count continuation. I mean, it seems to me that there's like four shows that everyone talk is talking about, and the rest of them are just sweeping under the rug shows. Yeah, as far as the new stuff goes, it's mostly eh, and then a Watanabe show, it seems. Anyway, so let's get into it. We have a couple to, to tackle here. So I'm going to go first because I'm doing two. The first anime that I'm going to be doing my impression on is called Rail Wars, which... Honestly, was a little misleading based from the from the trailer, but we'll get into that. Do you like trains? Do you like trains, Cram? Um, no, not I'm not particularly. I ride one every day. Okay. Well, do you like boobies? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. Cram, do you or do you not like club rooms? Um, Answer the question, Cram. Did you no, call the code red? I, no, <laughs> you ruined it. It's, did, did you order the code oh, red? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you I'm can't close. handle the truth. I could have sworn after the first two questions you were going to ask me about like Thomas the Tank Engine slash fic or something. <laughs> oh my god. Cram, do you or do you not like characters that fit into perfectly little shaped archetypes? No, I'm not necessarily. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, well, we'll see how this goes. So this is this is done by the anime production studio Passions, which I'm sure no one on earth has heard of because as I look at what they've done, it's very small. They did High Tai Nanafa, and that's about it. So they're sort of new. the The director of the anime is a man Yoshifumi Sueda. Whom has uh, he has he doesn't have a large list of credits to his name either. And as I look down the list here, I see maybe no other directorial credits. So he's sort of a new director. Yeah, I've never hoid of him. Hoid of him. Rail Wars is about the Dream Railway Paradise Entertainment story that is set in a parallel world where Japan does did not privatize its national railways. Naohito Takayama is an ordinary high school boy. Uh oh. Take a drink. I just I, I just said a trope. <laughs> who dreams of a comfortable future working for the top-rated Japanese national railways. He is assigned as a trainee in the railway security force of odd characters such as Sakurai, a troublemaker who hates men. Take a drink. On top of that, an extremist group called RJ plots to privatize the Japanese national railways. <gasps> oh my gosh. Anyway, so all right, here, here's, what, here's what actually happens in the anime, right? So... Wait, wait. Okay. I know it. Okay. Are there trains? There are trains. Are there boobies? Yes. Are there boobies on trains? Mm, sometimes. Okay. So this anime is, it's kind of funny, but it's almost a school anime. Like you're thinking, oh, a terrorist group's going to gonna take over the railway system and they're going to fight crime and... and Honestly, it feels to me more like a school anime than anything else, or like a or like a uh, high school uh, student council anime. Like, what is that anime? What? Um, Seitokai no Ichizon. One of those where they spend a, a a fair portion of each episode kind of dicking around in their club room where they talk about what they're going to do next, and then and then they God, go do I it. I hate when that happens. Like, 
that, that's how, that's what happened when I was trying to get into Blue Exorcist. I think the first episode of Blue Exorcist is amazing, and then the second episode, you're like, oh, it's a school show. Never mind. <laughs> well, I don't know that I would call any particular episode of Real Wars amazing. I can barely remember the first episode. I'm pretty mm. sure they were just training and learning about trains and their jobs. I remember the first episode. Oh, you do? I remember the first episode because I remember thinking, wow, this sounds like a public service announcement for, from JR. Yeah, it, it, was like, it does start out like that. The railways are wonderful because they're owned by the government. And if you work for the railways, it's the key to prosperity and happiness in life. <laughs> and I'm just like, whoa. Work. <laughs> Slow your roll. Work. It's like subliminal messages, you know, way under the Work for the government. Love the railways anyway so in the second episode they actually the first episode is mostly like getting introduced to things and train they're 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 training for their new jobs and the second and third episodes they come off as sort of one shot crime buster episodes so i i thought the second episode was actually pretty decent they it's an episode about where they have to find a bomb that's hidden in the railway in the subway or whatever, and they have X number of minutes to find it, and then they have to find it, and they have to defuse it, and it's kind of cool. The second, and then the third episode was about a missing girl, whom they go on like this detective thing to find the missing girl, and a bunch of like drug dealers have her, and she there she's tied up in a warehouse, and I mean most of what happens in this anime is they hang out in the club room, right? Where I guess it's like their break room from work or something, but. They, but they, they still spend an awful lot of time serving tea to each other and talking and, like, having moments where, like, the really giant-titted girl walks up to the computer and she's tight and she's like, oh, let me show you how to find this on the internet. And she walks up right, right next to the boy, whom this boy is supposed to be working now. So he, presumably he's old enough to be working. But yet, at the sight of a large pair of breasts, which, by the way, no girls in Japan have, well, almost none, he still freaks out to the point where he falls backwards in his chair just because she's near him typing on the keyboard. Like, these aren't, they don't feel like real people at all. I mean, that would not happen in real life. I, I don't know that I've ever had that reaction to a pair of boobs, no matter how large, period. Right? Yeah, I mean, and, I can't relate to that kind of stuff either, obviously. That's I, I, the, the two things that, that kind of make me hate that kind of thing is number one it feels exploitative and number two i can't relate to it because i don't i don't react like that i'm not i'm not a child all the characters seem to fall under their little archetypes you have like this sort of sort of uh plain vanilla main male character who is kind of cool but he's still unable to handle women at all then you have the really really outgoing tough girl who wants to like shoot everybody in the face with, with her guns and beat everybody up and like you know just kind of like a tsundere character tough on the outside and then, and then you have the 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 really she's almost moe but she's super smart girl who has massive a massive rack who's obviously there for for a very obvious reason then you have the other boy character who is kind of i don't he, his personality is just kind of lost amongst the other three but I would say the best thing that the anime has going for it before I wrap up this impression is that I thought the second episode was pretty good with the finding the bomb and they find it and then they had an interesting scene that was sort of reminded me of a crime drama on television where they have where, where she's like underneath the bomb and it's it's counting down from like 30 seconds before it explodes and they're underneath of it and she's spraying like liquid nitrogen spray on it to try to freeze the bomb so it'll stop functioning and because they don't know how to de defuse it properly and so that was a cool moment. Um, but the anime is very, 
I'd call it very mediocre. I mean, I wouldn't say that it's a terrible show. It's not. It's not completely outwardly worthless or exploitative or just you know nothingness. It's decent, but it's not really good either. So I don't really know if I if I can pass this one. It's it's too on the it's too below the below the cutoff line to be passed at this point in the season. I think. Is it, do either of you have any questions about this? Nope. Nope. Okay. So I'm sorry, Rail Wars. I I was really hoping for more. I thought it was going to be a show about fighting the national, the guys that are trying to take over the railway, and or would at least be cool to have like real problems facing the railways. Like I I remember reading a bunch of articles about exhaustion among train conductors and things like that. It, it shifted from a show about from a school show where they're training to a show about sitting in your club room. Basically. Awesome. So I passed on this one. Anyway, next up. So next one is free, Eternal Summer. Uh, this is the second season Abs. to the anime free. Abs. This is the second half to the anime free. Pex. And um, I'm going to cover Wet buttocks. the important parts of this series. So the man main glitter. character has kind of long-ish dark hair. With man and glitter. He's really intense about swimming and he wears short spandex around his swim trunks um, that are kind of purpley they have purple racer lines the next thing that's really important is you kind of have the fun character who's shorter really cute he has blondish hair a little messy he also wears the short spandex swim tri- style of swim trunks his are kind of this like salmon pinkish color then you have the one that fills the archetype of the kind of geeky, studious guy who works really hard and doesn't have a natural affinity, but his intellect makes up for it. Does he have glasses? He does wear glasses. Does he push his glasses up in the middle a lot? He does. He does. He does that. He no, does, that. does he do that. Except for when he has his swim goggles on. Oh, okay. He actually wears long spandex swimming pants that go all the way down to his ankles, and they're kind of bluish on the racing stripes. Okay. The next guy is the captain of the swim team, and he has short brownish hair. Again, long spandex swim pants and they have green stripes and then the last one that I want to mention is afflicted with the shark tooth he has very sharp teeth and I don't know why it's maybe a birth defect or maybe it's a surgery he got but he has reddish hair and he's kind of the punk in the first season was like the rival but old friends and now it's been revised and I haven't seen this anime at all but I'm going to take a guess here does he have an earring just guessing. I'm not looking at the ears. She doesn't know. Okay. She's not looking at the ears. I Oh, man. Okay. And he wears longer spandex swim pants, though other people in his club wear Speedos. The chat, Baka is them in the chat, says, I have no ovaries, so this show doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> you know. That's a good way to put it, maybe. <laughs> there's a lot of really redeeming qualities about this show. They come in the form of abs and pecs. Okay, what really happens? And butt. Is this all? Like, is it really just like a bunch of wet <laughs> men walking around? <laughs> Very close. <laughs> um, first episode, it starts out where the they're kind of it's the welcome to free episode. Whoa. It's the welcome to free episode. Not quite a recap, but kind of here are the characters and here here's what they're doing and we kind of meet everybody and there's some swimming and 
there's you know wet men and then the next episode is starts the we need new club members and of course the iwatobi swim club who our four main characters are founding members of does not attract any new members because the way that they try to attract members during the school recruitment fair was they jump and do flips on stage and then tear off their jackets and go my strong suit is abs abu 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 um, abu and uh and they're trying to recruit new members are, but they don't really recruit any and so they then like, they start swimming are they like yoa pedal andy frank type pecking abs or are they a little bit because swimmers swimmers have like really skinny they're like really defined lean. muscles but they're they're not like they're not muscly muscly people swimmers they're, they're yeah they're really lean the the muscles are very very slim and and trim do each of their pecs have unique personalities Despite being raised equally? We haven't gotten to that point yet, but okay. maybe they do. There is a female character who's really obsessed with muscles. And I'm like, she speaks for all of the women watching she, this show. She's hanging out she's hanging out <laughs> with guys that play the wrong sport. Oh she's she's just speaks to my heart. And um the animation's really beautiful. It's it's very pretty. I, I imagine <laughs> that the show looks really amazing. It's prettier it's, than it has any right to be, it really. Has, well, it, it has to have a massive budget, considering the, the popularity of the last anime. Yeah. I mean, the merchandising alone could basically cover any budget that this show would possibly have. Um, okay, so B BCOM33-1 in the chat is kind of getting me on, on topic. They ask, do they swim different strokes? Yes, yeah, they do. They're running out of time. They're specialized swimmers. They have kind of relay. One of the things that, that happens in the third episode is um the glasses guy he i don't even i don't need to know their names it's cool it's cool <laughs> um he's trying to learn new strokes because he wants to be specialized he's a butterfly swimmer and he wants to be specialized in more than one area so it's really heartwarming because he like tries to learn new strokes and he sucks at it do and butterflies come out of him while he's swimming um no uh which swims the breaststroke i think um the main character swims breaststroke i think i think it's him um but <laughs> you said breast yeah which there probably are none of uh go the girl who likes muscles she has breasts okay. um but this show it's really fun and it's really sweet and there's there's been some intensity with like racing and rivalries and things like that but it's been lighthearted. the humor is amusing and did I did I mention that they're shirtless all the time? Chaotic Persona in the chat wants to know how often is there slow motion? Not that often, actually. Okay. I it there is slow motion, but it wasn't to the point that I was watching it going, oh, you know, slow motion crazy. Jackie, we've covered the fact that there's lots of naked sexy men in the show. But you haven't really talked about anything related to the story. There's a story? I don't know. You got two minutes. What's the story? Do we care about it? We should. Really? We're, we're trying. We're trying to do. We're trying to cover an anime here. I, I'm. I'm covering all I, of that. I bet you, if I look up with this me. anime online, there is a plot synopsis. Okay, I think the plot synopsis is basically they are trying to recruit new members for their swim club and decide what they want to do with their lives going forward. 
Let's see, it says the Iwatobi Swim Club returns. As their third year begins, Haruka, Makoto, and Rin are swim still swimming strong, but choosing plans for their futures loom. As the, and as friends, both new and old, make their way into the picture, rivalries will take root once again. Will the team make it out stronger than before or sink under pressure? Yeah, that sounds about right. That basically had Good no... Summary. That was like no story at all right there. Good summary. So there's going to be lots of men romping around, touching each other, and maybe uh, some undertones of sports. Yeah. I got it. Yeah, you got it. So what is your general consensus on the anime? Um... I don't think this is an anime for everyone, but... Oh, no shit. <laughs> like, if you have a penis, stay out. Probably. But, um... Probably, probably. I don't know. Maybe some people with penises like that. Have yeah, you ever think about if you're that? Fond, if you're fond of other penises, maybe. Right? Exactly. Okay. Um... The icy rose. Thank you. You you brought up the most important thing in the ending animation. Rin, the guy who's afflicted with shark teeth, is dressed as a police stripper. Oh, awesome! <laughs> yes. Wow, that summarizes everything. <laughs> See, okay, Cram and I have talked about this. I'm going to use my last sixty seconds for this. Cram and I have talked about this before. Where one of the reasons why I love this anime. There are so many times where men get your sh shameless fan service shows all the time. And I know you're going to say, oh, but Chiaki, there are shirtless men in other anime. Yeah, okay, maybe there are, but it just happens to be there. Or I even think the shirtless men are for other dudes to be like, he's so macho, he's without a shirt, and he's a big brawny guy. I'm, like me? And Yeah. And like this. Should I take my shirt off? Do it. No, I'm not going to do that. Chicken. You got to pay money to see that. <laughs> Chiaki wants me to take my shirt off. <laughs> Who doesn't? All right, I run a poll I in the right, chat. chat. I run a poll in the chat. I bet you this chat will say they want you to take your shirt off. This is the longest, un most unnecessary impression of free ever. <laughs> Wrap it up. No kidding. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pass it. I'm going to make one oh, of you guys yay. watch free. <laughs> watch free with me, Cram. I will. I'll watch it. You passed it? <laughs> I'm going to pass You're it. You're out of your mind. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch the first season, too. I'm so... I, I watched half of the first season. I told you, because like, I watched the ending episode, and I was like, hey, that wasn't half bad. And I watched it backwards. Like I can't believe this. So. I you know what? Even if you had failed it, the the user choice would have passed it anyway, probably. Ah. Oh, if you think about it, it's so beautiful. I can't believe that just happened. I squealed when I was watching the first episode. I couldn't. I couldn't even contain it. It escaped. You I was like, squealed. <laughs> just like that. Okay, that just was like that's that. great. So, uh, Cram, do you want yeah. to take the next one, or or should I take sure. the next one? Sure, I will. Uh, the show I watched this week was a little show called Glass Lip, and this is by Studio P.A. Works, who was the animation pr uh, producer for Angel Beats, The Eccentric Family, and Red Data Girl. Wow, that's a, a resume. Yeah, and uh, they, I I'm, I'm kind of a fan of this studio now. It's kind of happened recently, especially since The Eccentric Family came out. Um, and they just do amazing like visual work, and I'll, I'll get into that once I get into the uh, the impression. But this is uh, directed by Junji Nishimura, who was the series director on uh, Samurai Deeper Kyo, Ranma One Half, and The Violinist of Hamelin. And before that, or, or concurrently, maybe he was also doing storyboards for Kanan, Full Moon, Full Moon Osagaste, and Gargantia on the Vergerous Planet. Uh, he also, oh, and actually the series composition uh, was also by Junji Nishimura, and a first time, not, not first time, maybe second time, 
uh, scriptwriter named Nika Sato, who also was a scriptwriter for Tati Tati, which I think you watched. Chiaki, I believe you I watched I did watch Tati Tati, and it was a fantastic show. I heard that. Uh, so the synopsis of the show is that Toko Fukami's family runs a glass working business, like glass blowing, uh, in a small seaside town. And she hangs out with her four best friends, her Biffles, at a cafe called Kazemichi. So during the summer break of their senior year in high school, they meet a transfer student named Kakeru Okikura, who claims that a voice from the future talks to him and that it's led him to this girl, Toko. Um, that's a really simple description of really basically what the show is about. And there, there's not much else to it at this point, uh, even three episodes in. Uh, in fact, episode one uh, is basically just a character in- introduction to the five main characters, the five friends, and kind of hints at relationships. There are at least, it seems like, two love tri- triangles kind of starting to form um maybe even kind of a a love uh hexagon once the kakeru character joins joins the group but at the end of the episode kakeru kind of walks into their little cafe that they hang out at and he's like i have something to tell you toko and she's like what could it possibly be and then it's end credits um but the first episode is is mostly about chickens actually (laughs) what it's it's mostly about chickens there's the the out at this seaside town, I think it's at their school. They have um, they have these free range chickens that Toko likes to sketch in her in her sketch pad, and um, they all end up with a chicken at in their houses. Like they decide to take the chickens home for some reason. I ate chicken today. <laughs> little little known fact: chicken are my second favorite farm animal. Ah, oh, what, what's your first? Cows. Ah, a cow okay. licked me once, and I was really excited. I see. I see. Yeah, the the, the, the chicken thing was really strange to me. <laughs> and it's <sighs> apparently important enough that they made chickens part of the ending credit sequence. <laughs> but episodes two and three don't have anything to do with chickens. Also, they eat a lot of chicken in the, the first episode. So you've got this chicken yeah, storyline. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of chicken, Mitsugi, what was the result of that poll? <laughs> <laughs> so, sixty-two percent of the chat thinks I should take my shirt off, but I'm not going to do it. Okay. All right. Sorry. I'm sorry, Cram. Didn't mean to. That's okay. You, you take That's your okay. shirt off, Chiaki. I'm going to run the poll again and put your name oh in there. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm going to do that right now. Do it. Um, the first episode, basically nothing happened, <laughs> and I watched it. And I'm like, okay. Um, I I'm not sure what to think about this at this point. It seems really slow and kind of heavy-handed actually really heavy-handed the uh i i think that the writing that pushes this idyllic kind of nostalgic setting does so to an extreme that i don't really care for um i mean and it's a pretty show don't get me wrong it's a gorgeous show. I think that PA Works, and I've said this before, is trying to be the the Studio Ghibli of the television space um, because of the, the way they kind of lean on these uh, pastoral kind of idyllic settings uh, and also the, the the standard of excellence that they adhere to uh, as far as their animation goes. But um, yeah, it's 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 kind of a slow show. In episode two. Uh, Kakeru, the transfer student, reveals that a voice from the future speaks to him and it, it, you know, talks to, he talks to Toko about her ability to see the future. 
So apparently now Toko can see the future and she has these like weird flashes where if she looks into a shiny object like glass, uh, she can see like an image of the future. And she basically uses, she's used it twice, I guess, in the series so far up to episode three. And both times she's used it uh, is to see like relationships in the future like who who's gonna end up whose boyfriend basically really responsible use of power it just seems like such a waste <laughs> so wait i have a question though she can control when this power comes out because it sounds really inconvenient if she just every time she looks at glass this happens otherwise it would be like no, oh there's a window it, there's a cup there's a it's connected to this Kakeru character somehow because in the second episode when she uh, I guess it's in the second episode when she realizes I can't even remember what it is she realizes but she wants to see the future she wants to see the future of of two characters relationships so she calls Kakeru and she's like I want to see the future how do I do it and you know she sees what she wants to see um, so it's tied to him somehow he's clearly tied to her and the voices that he hears from the future have told him to come to her but none of that is revealed yet like three episodes in and you know the third episode is all about the friends going on a, a, a hiking trip uh, and there's a, there's a little bit of fan service in the show it's not egregious or anything but it's it seems a little out of place especially in like how carefully crafted everything else seems and how kind of slow moving so when the girls fall into the river and have to take off their clothes and then the boy one of the boys of course accidentally stumbles upon them in their underwear and they're like oh get away we're gonna beat the hell out of you and that kind of shit it's like all right weird but okay we're gonna beat Uh, your ass and take your chickens yeah exactly so um and i think that this show, I think it's supposed to only be uh, 12 episodes, like one core. And if that's the case, I, I can't see it picking up speed <laughs> and going any faster because it is slow as molasses, guys. In January. Episode two is when we get like the central device, like the central plot device that ostensibly will move the plot forward. And then in episode three, we don't get much more than that. Like I don't know what the show is about. There is no central conflict yet. And I, I don't know. It's just not. I don't. I don't hate the show. I kind of like it because it's pretty to look at, but it's really heavy-handed. There's good voice work. The characters are are kind of subtle and distinct. Um, there is a little bit of co- cookie cutter stuff going on. There's a, a girl with glasses. The you know the Meganeko, who's a, a little bit shy and quiet, and she reads a lot, and she may or may not have feelings for one or two of the characters. You know, and they've all. Slut. They're all gonna have. Their, <laughs> they're all gonna have their arcs but um i don't know if i'm willing to stay on board to see all of those arcs come to fruition because it's it's kind of a it's kind of a boring show are we talking slow like mushishi slow like put it on before bed or a different kind of slow what is that that thing called it something that has a healing quality uh yashiki k i think it's called is that what it is don't know i think it's called yeah, I'm looking it up. Yeah, it is. It's uh, Iyashike. Iyashike is something in, in Japanese uh, that describes music or movies or something that has a healing property uh, to them, has like a therapeutic property. I think Mushishi is a show like that where you, you kind of watch it and, and, and experience how it makes you feel watching because it's so beautiful and, and, you know, the music and everything, the whole package. I can see Glass Lip being that kind of show for people. I can see it being kind of a put it on before you go to bed kind of show. Um, 
but I'm not, I'm not really into that. <laughs> it has to be spectacular. It has, there, there has to be something about it that really stands out for it to, to speak to me and makes me want to watch it. And Glasslip doesn't really do that. But for those interested, um, it could be that for you. It could be that uh, Yashike kind of healing, therapeutic show that you want to watch. Um, for also for those interested, Glasslip, the title refers to which I you know I didn't realize until the second episode obviously glass refers to the glass blowing uh, uh, element in the show and the slip is like a time slip because in Japanese they say time slip to mean like a time traveling kind they sometimes say time leap like time leap as well but that's where the title comes from. It's not like a, like lips made of glass or anything. It sounds like a weird show. Like it sounds like it sounds like a slice of li- a slice of life show that they slipped like a sci-fi element into. Yeah, it, it is. Weird. It, it it feel at this point. I mean, it's so slow moving that I I I can't really say that it feels shoehorned in yet because they haven't really used it for anything. But who's gonna be whose boyfriend next year or, or whatever? So. I can't pass Glass Lip as pretty as it is. The animation is awful. It just recycled mouth movements without moving the characters. It's awful, I tell you. Awful. All right, so we have one more. Yeah, so I'm doing the last anime, which I will... Oh, by the way, the results of the poll, should Chiaki take off her shirt, 80% said yes. Oh, Lord. So now what? Uh, so now what? All right, Mitsugi. Now who's the chicken? It's time to man up. You ready? Um, this is... <laughs> you ready? Is this a hentai episode now? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, he's not going to do it. Don't worry. Anyway, so um, I am doing an anime that I will now pronounce properly. Shiro Gane no Ishi Argvolen would, would be the combination of Japanese and English. And... This anime is a mech show that is done by production studio Zebic, which has done a lot of a lot of stuff. Like if we don't know what Zebic is by now, then I don't know what Zebic is. Oh, you don't? Because they've done because no. they've done the animation for like 500 anime. So really, yeah, yeah, yes, 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 they have. the The director is Atsushi Otsuki, who has um, he's been around the block a little bit. He directed Moto Todabru. Ladies versus Butlers, Kanokon. Uh, He's done. I haven't heard one yet that made me go, "Oh, that's a good show." <laughs> I don't know. He he was an episode director for Zoids. I mean, I don't know. It's sort of he's he's directed things before, but he's not some you know big name in the industry. So Shirogane no Ishi Argvolen is about the Kingdom of Arondis Alliance and. The country's unification of Im, uh, Ingelmia, which have been at war for many years. The situation has been at a stalemate across the fortress of the Great Wall, which is a wall that sort of divides the two nations on the border. And the wall has never been penetrated since the foundation of Arondas. And the gate to the fortress has remained fairly closed, but when it cre- creaks open, the complexity of war starts to change dramatically. So that's sort of the written synopsis from the internet. This is definitely a war anime that a lot of people are going to watch for like 10 minutes and go, oh my god, the mechs are the mechs are in CG. Game over. I don't know. I feel like mechs being in CG is way more forgivable out of the, in the CG it's, world. It seems really normal to me, honestly. It's 
it's now, really common these days. Like I, I think that it, these days it happens more often than not. Uh, a show like Captain Earth, where the mechs are still traditionally animated, is the exception to the rule. And you you usually get something like Valverave or like it sounds like Argvolan is like that, where the mechs are indeed CG. I mean, I, I think that it's oftentimes now it's maybe more common than not to have the mechs in CG just because I think it's really difficult to draw the CG by hand. I think that there's a very limited number of art, of artists that, that can draw a mech well. And it's one of those things where you have to be just naturally talented at the design of machines and machinery. And there's only some people that are really good at that. Maybe you have to look, maybe you have to, look to Gundam. For, for it, but as I run a poll in the chat quickly, 68% of people said they have no problem with mechs being done in CG, although I have heard people complaining about it on the internet before, so. So, the anime starts out with a with it, it, when it's the opening minutes of it, you've already, you're already right in the middle of a battle, so it takes no, it takes no time cutting right to the chase of, you know, having some action going on in the show. You have this country called Arondis, which, as as explained, has been taking over the other its neighboring country for quite some time. But recently, there has been the country has been pushing back against Arondis with a superior military uh, mecha units or whatever you want to call it. And Arondis has been pushed back to its border where the Great Wall is located, and they're pretty comfortable being there because the Great Wall hasn't been hasn't been breached by any nation ever. And so that's sort of a central focus of the fir- of the first portion of the anime. And, and then the Mongols came. And then the Mongols came. <laughs> and um and, and you meet your main characters in the anime, the uh although honestly I can't remember the main character's name at all. He's a he's a <laughs> that memorable, huh? Yeah, it might be Susumu. I don't know. He's a he's like a short-haired he's a he's a rel- maybe average high, very average looking anime character. Short, spiky brown hair. I'm sure somebody in the chat would know this kid's name. Short, spiky brown hair who is sort of a trainee. He has never been in a battle before because the countries are, of course, recruiting new, like, fresh blood, you know, to fight in these battles. And um, during the course of the, of, of, the, of the starting episodes, you have a scene where a convoy truck is being attacked by units from the, uh, the enemy country. They, 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 they've... They've sort of basically established that Arondis, I think, is is the good guy. I think I think I'm getting this right. Arondis is is the good nation, and inside the inside the convoy truck, which gets partially blown up and it crashes, there is a mech unit called Argvolen, which is an experimental unit that has not been tested yet in battle, and one of the um, the brown-haired kid who's the main character goes back we'll just call him susumu from now for now I, I, I could be wrong but he goes back to the unit to defend the convoy truck because he thinks it's the right thing to do he's disobeying orders but he wants to do it anyway because it's like you know he's a valiant hero or whatever so he goes back and he sucks at fighting he's he just gets mowed over by these other mechs that are attacking and his mech crashes and he climbs out of it and he's running towards the convoy truck, and he ends up becoming the very first person to ever pilot this unit called Argvolin. And Argvolin sort of fights with its fists and its feet. It's kind of like a martial artist mech. It's kind of interesting. In the anime, they have had moments where it shoots guns and things, but it's more likely to run up to you and punch you, punch a hole right through the, the chest of an enemy mech than it is to fire a gun. 
I honestly thought that their the first initial fight scene with with Argwolan was pretty cool. They had some really nice usage usage of slow motion that really lets you kind of enjoy the the movement of the martial arts or whatever you whatever you want to call it that were happening with the mech. He sort of spun around and jammed his fist through the mech, through the right through the chest of the other mech unit and exploded. And it, it, the action was pretty good. It's 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 not stupendous, but it's it, it's pretty good. Um, Subsequent episodes, you basically have military operations going on, and the main character is learning how to use his mech unit because he can't fully control it off the bat because it's, first of all, experimental, and he's not really all that experienced anyway, but you sort of have to... It functions differently than a normal than a normal mecha robot in the show because he talks about how it's very hard for him because the, the unit is so responsive that it has no delay time. So I so I give the show some kudos for taking into a, into account the fact that these mechs have sort of a have a delay in the reaction speed from the, from when you push like a control to when it actually moves, which I guess I could see happening since it's just a machine, right? Um, but this new mech unit doesn't do that. It's so responsive that he has a hard time piloting it, and you sort of go through the motions of him learning how to walk and how to properly pilot the, the unit, and he's not very good. He gets... Does he, he ever have a moment of, I don't want to pilot the mech? Um, not really. He, he gets He's shaken up a little bit because he has never really fought before, so when he's killed two people or whatever in their other mech units, he has moments of, you know, oh my god, you know, kind of holding himself and freaking out a little bit, but it's not because he doesn't want to pilot the mech, it's because he's fighting a war and never been a, has no experience. And of course, the Argvolin, the only pilot that can that can control the mech is the person who very who the very first person that steps inside of it. So he's the pilot of the mech by default because that seems like a design flaw. It does. <laughs> it's like oh, well then we'll just kill the guy while he's sleeping, and then the mech will never get used again. I mean, it's like it's like the only person who can ever use this PC ever is the first person to boot it up. The the, the subsequent. Two or three episodes have random military skirmishes happening where he takes part in them and, generally speaking, helps them to win the battles. I I really thought this this anime was pretty slow. I I watched all all the first three episodes in succession, so it was sort of like watching a one hour movie. But to be perfectly honest, not a whole lot happens in the three episodes. I, the 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 distinguishment between the two enemy sides are really not that clear. I think that there's not really like a they don't they don't clearly pronounce the purpose of the war first of all and what the overall goals like the one country that there's some propaganda where they talk about how they're going to liberate Arondas from its tyrannical ruler or whatever but that is brushed over very fast they don't really go into the into why why the war is happening or what the goals are of the of the two parties and um the action scenes are very mediocre. I would say that it's very sort of averagely animated. Nothing too, no, nothing too super going on here. And it, and it was pretty slow. I mean, as a mech show, I was a little, a little bit disappointed by it. I think that I certainly have seen shows that are better in the past, but it seems like nowadays most mech anime that come out don't really, they don't strike a chord with me. They're either super robot or they're just. You know, they're mixing too many anime tropes into the story. This anime doesn't do that. It doesn't have really too many anime tropes or anything like that. But the pacing of the show is really, really, really slow. And uh, it's just difficult for me to, to pass the anime because 
I just didn't. I wasn't interested in it really at all. I know. I know, Chiaki, you watched part of this too. Yeah, I did. But I don't think you were very interested in it either. I didn't care. It made me. The only thing that I. The only thing that I had a laugh at, and you already mentioned it, was just the. The we're going to go in there and get rid of their corrupt government, and then the country who. The country who is going to be invaded is watching that press conference, and they're like, really? We don't think we have a corrupt government. And there was just part of me that was like, America. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's probably better shows this season that have mech units. I know all Noah Zero. I've seen a few episodes of. It's a little. It's it, it's a bit better than this one. Its mechs are also in CG. So if you hate that, you there's no escape for you. <laughs> Sorry, but uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pass Shirogani no Ishii Argvolen. I think it's too mediocre for me. There's other shows I've got that are better, and but I recommend it for people that really just love war anime or, or animes that have a, have mecha, mech units in general, because it sort of might appeal to you in that way without having to suffer through all the all, all the moe and the anime tropes. So what we've got here is a piece of shit. So I don't know if I call it a piece of shit, but it's it's not. It's not for me, maybe. So I'm gonna fail it. So, all right. How sad. So we, <laughs> I passed free. <laughs> you passed free. We, so How did that happen? <laughs> that was wonderful. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, all right. Well, great episode, boys. So Good I job. know. I know. Next week we'll probably have Tokyo Ghoul and maybe Akame Got Kill and a couple other shows that are a little more high profile. Maybe so, Zonkyo. Maybe Zonkyo no Terror. We'll see. We'll see how we'll, we'll see how the cards fall. But yeah, hope everybody enjoyed the new podcast studio. The audience got pretty big tonight, so that's nice. Um, it's good to see, you know, the the live chat and the the live viewership being so lively while we're doing our podcast. So it's nice to have our banner back. For those yeah. of you who are listening, we in our studio now we have the banner that we used to use all the time, and it survived. The long storage of Japan. Baka is dumb. Says Mitsugi got mediocre harem and mech. I, I don't know. I don't think Real Wars is really a harem. Uh, Cram got mediocre slice of life, and Chiaki got abs. Abs win. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. You know, I agree. You can find us at aaapodcast.com, iTunes. Don't forget to give us a rating on iTunes, especially if you like us. Facebook.com forward slash Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast. Give us the good old like and get everything that's, you know, up with us. Twitter.com forward slash aaapodcast, where sometimes I tweet my random thoughts, and that happens. Ustream.tv, where we're broadcasting live every Saturday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you can remember aapodcast.com, links to all of those. Thank you, all of you who joined us on the Ustream. Yeah. It was a pleasure. I'm glad everybody liked the new studio. It was, it was, uh, you know, it, it was a long time coming, yeah. I think, so. And hopefully there's just more to come, more good stuff in the works. I also think that the acoustics in this room are far better than in the prior places that, that I had been doing this from, so hopefully we'll, it'll tra- that will translate to the to the the audio podcast well so. at the very least it'll be far more consistent because now we don't yeah. have to tear down everything yep all right taking us out tonight is the song overdriver from the anime rail wars by the artist z-a-q 
Have a great one, everybody. See ya. We'll see you guys next week.